citizens of the verse today is august 24th 2951 and welcome to another episode of readcast we are a weekly star citizen podcast sponsored by the read organization as always i'm your host way too geeky and i'm joined by my two illustrious co-hosts he works hard for the money it's Chekhov. say hello Chekhov. Chekhov. Oh, see, I was off. Now I'm back on. Am I, am I back on? Can you repeat yes. the question? I am back on. Hello. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Welcome back, Chekhov. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, we have Mr. Are you working hard or hardly working? Seaguard. Hardly working. <laughs> I just, I thought that was funny because it seems like something <laughs> you'd say in a cubicle. It's, I could just you see might. you pulling up. My favorite so quote in a cubicle is, if you wait to the last minute, it only takes a minute. That's a motto to live by. <laughs> oh, well, I try not to live by that motto. <laughs> I feel like it would bite me. Um, as it is, most of my days, I'm like trying to fend off clients and stuff. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> if I waited to the last minute, I'd never hear the end of it. Um. So it's been, it's been a week. Um, what have you guys been up to, Seagar? It's only Tuesday. I know it feels like a week this week already. Uh, I got back on quite a bit more um, since they did that little patch, and I've been mm-hmm. having some fun. I've been having some fun playing the game a little bit every night. Oh, that's great. Doing a little, you know, tra- doing a little bit of logistics. Um, set up a new. I set up an event for a new town hall for logistics on Saturday. Um, we're going to kind of, uh, we kind of finished up our old last year's plan and I kind of got a little lazy and now we need to get focused on something for this year. So a little bit late. Oh, great. Got some new targets and things to go for. That's great. Um, Mr. Silent but Deadly, Chekhov, what have you been uh, up to? I've uh, also been on lately just uh, experimenting with uh well still trying to get my bindings straight which is always an adventure every new patch they really you know change everything around so i finally got that uh also doing quite a bit of mining getting used to the new ping and scanning system and uh one of our org members just Posted a really nifty tool, which is a, a map of how you could find Aaron's halo pretty much from any point in the verse. Uh, it shows you how you could drop off, so it kind of opens up numerous possibilities and uh, uh, where to find more quantanium. And of course, you know, you can all have access to that map. All you have to do is join the org, it's posted in our engineering channel. Uh, I didn't mean to plug the orc, but I. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but plug. <laughs> um, I haven't really played since. I don't know if it was since the last podcast. I think it was since the last podcast. I've been doing a lot IRL. So it's been a, a busy week, but I hope to play more this week. Uh, although I'm looking at my schedule, and I'm like, I might not be playing more this week. I'll be going home this weekend. Um, but I did. I Granted, this is not Star Citizen related, 
but I was geeking out last night because I watched the trailer for uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah, I saw that. Oh, it looks so good. Yeah, it does look good. It looks so good. And I, like, so, I like Dr. Strange. He's funny. Yeah. It is, it'll be interesting. But anyway, um, back to Star Citizen related things. <laughs> um, so last week we did get an inside Star Citizen. Uh, first part of the episode, we did get a deeper look at the hospitals and med centers of the verse. Um, so for 315, we'll be getting um, both what uh, we already have Orison and um, New Babbage, but we'll be getting them as functioning hospitals. And then we'll also have um, clinics and space stations, as well as Grimhex will have its own little hospital. Uh, and then later later on down the line, we'll be getting a hospital for our corp and, and um, Lorville. But, um, you know, they showed off a little bit of functionality, not a lot. Uh, initially, there'll be a patient drop-off area where you essentially will drop someone off in a giant cargo elevator type thing to be healed. Um, we already know that hospitals have pharmacies where you can buy medicine. I'm guessing we'll also be able to buy other medical supplies. Um, there's insurance counters where you can buy insurance. Eight also sort of reserve the room, I think. Um, what they talked about being interesting is before when you were spawning in the room that you spawned in at was reserved for an advance. And in in this case, you got to go to a terminal and reserve a room, um, that you'll, you'll go to. Uh, and then they gave us a little bit deeper look into Brentworth medical center at new Babbage. We got to see some of the recovery rooms and and all that fun stuff. Orison's hospital. Once you get up upstairs, you'll get to see more of the vistas out there. Um, and then they talked about space clinics and how they'll be modular and most of the functionality that you'll find at hospitals. Um, they also mentioned that they'll, they're focused on keeping the clinics near elevators for convenience. And then last but not least, Grimhex. They had a view of the asteroid field as well as talked about how it's more it's more compact and clinic size for a hospital uh, and that you can access it through a side entrance where there'll be a landing platform. Uh, however, that will leave your ship vulnerable. So that was the first half of the episode. Um, second half, we got a look at um, essentially what they mean when they say gold standard version of ships. Um, the three that we, we took a look at were the Gladius, the Saber, and the Retaliator. Um, essentially, gold standard involves, you know, making cockpit buttons uh, placed in, in the right spots, adding animations, lighting passes, materials passes, making room for components, um, essentially upgrading the ships with all the current technology that they have and bringing them up to standard, uh, double-checking the metrics, etc., um, we got to look at the sort of like component housings for the two ships The the Gladius also, they were saying how the light source for the, for the light didn't actually have anything, um, there. So they added lights. They also made the thrusters look better and, and more visible from a distance, um, with the retaliator that's in game right now, right? That's in game right now. Not the gold standard. <clears throat> okay, I thought Gladius was. I think I didn't buy it. 
the gladiest parts of it are in terms of I think you can see the component housings and everything, but the actual gold standard gladius isn't. Okay. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Uh I could be wrong. Um and then uh the biggest change was for the retaliator, obviously, because they that has internal components or internal spaces. Um, so some of the bigger changes that they made there was they removed the, the top and bottom docking collars in favor of a side, um, airlock and docking collar. Uh, and because they did that, they had to remove an elevator. So they actually ended up, um, making the other elevator bigger, or as they say, lift. Um, they, uh, also showed us a little bit of the modules. Um, they were in gray box or white box, one of the two. Um, so, so far we saw the cargo module and the drop ship module. Um, so what'd you think Seaguard overall like the episode, man? Yeah, yeah, I did like it. I did like it. And, uh, you know, the hospital stuff is cool. I definitely think it's mm-hmm. going to be, uh, I think it's going to be a big plus to the game, uh, for immersion. Um, and the one thing that kind of struck me as funny was that, uh, didn't hear any mention of the hospital endeavor. Yeah, right. Because that is a hospital ship, and that will—it's one of the older ships now. It's even though it's a big ship, it's an older ship, and uh, that would be interesting to see when they're going to bring that on board. Yeah, it'll be a while, I'm sure. It'll be one of the last ones. I feel like. Um, What about you, Chekhov? How'd you feel about the episode? Uh, I thought it was pretty good. But but uh, before I get into the episode, by the way, if any of you guys are in the verse, in my server, I ran into a cluster of six rocks, and four of them are quantanium, and one of them is 44%. So if you can make it over here, it would... I am not on your server. (laughs) I decided Uh, not to load into the game after I crashed, because I figured I'll wait till after. I'm yeah, not even so, kick me back to menu. So the yeah, see hospital play. I just hope and I think uh, the our our question of of the week will reflect that too from Sigurd. Um uh, that it doesn't become like a uh, more of a you know burden that sort of food and water is right now, meaning just something that prevents you from really doing what you want to do. Is it going to be mm-hmm. a true? game loop that you can actually enjoy just like you know we have cargo hauling you know mining you know bounty i mean dog fighting i mean these are true standalone so the way it looks that it should be they're putting so much thought and and there's definitely quite a bit of presence around it so it sounds like it's going to be a true uh, sort of a you know gameplay and of course the our definition of gameplay it has to be lucrative too, right? In some way, it's not just a matter yeah. of stay, staying alive, but uh, you you would hope that somehow you're going to be rewarded if you really are, if that's your profession, right? So, mm. so based on that, would you? I would, you know, I would say, and I, I guess I just want to see what your thoughts are on this. So, based on, um, you know, you just used. Um, mining in them as as a, like a similar type of game loop. I would say medical play is more like um, going the Klesher. If you're the person who's been injured, you know, 
if ultimately getting to prison or getting to the hospital would be like getting the to prison, right? Which we if you're losing gameplay time, right? Right. But but think about it. we're trying to avoid going to prison, so that's exactly what I personally don't want. Right. Is yet another game loop that we want to avoid. Right. But if you're um, if you're a medical person, like a person who's doing wants to focus on the medical line of, or skills, then I think it's more like being a uh, prison guard, right? <laughs> you're, you're actually helping the people. So it's kind of an interesting paradigm. It's uh, if you're so I, I'm interested to see how they deal with a person who's injured versus incapacitated. I suspect incapacitated will you'll immediately be able to come back into the game in some manner or form and your your alternate alter ego maybe goes to the hospital, right? Um, or something along those lines. I, it's just a difference, right? Being a patient is one thing, but being a doctor or a paramedic is or search and rescue person is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that would be interesting to to see that side of the gameplay also. Well, don't forget, um, if, if you think about it, it, it will be something that we want to avoid, Chekhov, at least having to go to the hospital. But the way that they've talked about it so far is, yes, the hospital is going to be the spawn point um, in the short term, you know, much like our Habs are now. What we don't know is how fleshed out the gameplay is going to be for this first implementation. However, if you if you think about what they've said so far, they're also releasing better equipment that you can use to stabilize people. So, you know, you'll have uh, med pens and you'll have the med gun and you'll have the multi-tool med attachment. Those are to help you heal other people. So now they're adding in gameplay for someone who is uh, a medic and it's coming not to far before we actually have um, personal and localized inventory. So not everyone's going to be able to have the infinite bag of holding anymore. We're going to have to store things and not, you know, if you have a crew, you might want to have an assigned medic on the team um, going forward so that someone can help you. Yeah. Well, that, that, I think you hit it right on the bottom is that that's the big question. Are we going to get a medic, or is just, or is it going to be like Kleischer, just us against the NPCs and landing well, in the facility? Well, the, the so think about the facility as twofold. Right now, if you die, we're already penalized anyway, right? It's just a different spot. But if you don't die and you survive long term, we don't know what it's going to be now, but long term. Your injuries can be treated. You might not be moving perfectly, but it's like it's like if your ship takes takes damage, but you can still fly, you can still shoot your guns, your shields still charge, but it doesn't look as good. Mm-hmm. You know, you could still fly the ship, you could still play. You don't have to go back and repair it right away, but at some point you're probably going to want to because the wear and tear will eventually start to degrade your ship. Same thing with your body, your your player character. Yeah, and uh, right. So the, the only practical and the immediate effect of, uh, is your the way you do uh, dogfighting now, right? So mm-hmm. typically I, I don't 
like like I, I, I don't do backspace, you know. When I bring back mm-hmm. Quantanium, I walk, I store the ship, you know, uh, cargo hauling, same thing. There's no reason for me to backspace uh, on purpose. The only time you really become reckless is if you're doing bounties, right? You 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 kind of mm-hmm. out there to the end, you know. Do or you know either kill or be killed. Now, uh, if the hospital uh, game in three fifteen may change that, right? Now you may have to retreat, right? So uh, from a dogfight. Yeah, and I I would hope that you have the choice, right? So if you're if you let's say you break an arm or your arm is so shot up that the paramedics can put you in a sling and a cast and you just can't use it. I would yeah. hope that over time you get back a portion of your health, which makes you a viable character. Maybe not 100%, but maybe your health goes back up, let's say, 90%. And it, let's say it takes a week. I don't care. I mean, it takes uh-huh. time for the body to heal. So I'm in a sling for a week, and uh, you know, I have limited gameplay, but I'm still alive. I never went to the hospital. But if I'm completely you know, mangled and I'm going to either die unless I get to the hospital then I could see that being like Clesher, right? That's like you pushed it too far. Right, right. So, yeah, what you're doing, yeah, so if you're doing dogfighting, yeah, I could see you basically uh, ending up in a, in a hospital. Yeah, uh, yeah. Or for some significant amount of time. So that's kind of, it goes exactly what I said. So now I'm going to think twice, uh, you know, just to go all out and just, you know, kill or be killed, I'll, I'll most likely retreat because I don't want to, waste time in the hospital, right? I want to get back yeah. to game. Right, right. right. And I, I also wonder if you're not going to be able to take the option, let's say, you can go to the hospital and you can get full recovery, but it might take you, let's say, a couple of hours like Klesher would, right? Um, or yeah. you could go someplace and say, I just want a cyber, li- I want a cybernetic limb. Yeah. They do it. You know, they yeah. do a surgery and you're, you're, your health point is reduced because now you have a limb, but the limb doesn't really take damage the way anything else does. It kind of takes, it's either in-op or operable, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a different thing. So I, I'm interested to see how they balance that. Well, yeah, then that's <clears throat> the key is so far, you know, they know, you know, first they nerf everything and then they start, I just hope they, they don't really kill the game to the point when they roll this out and they kill it to a point where, you know, we end up spending just like, you know, remember prison when it came out, it was real time, you yeah. know, spending yeah. real time in a hospital, you oh, know, yeah. waiting to recover. Yeah, that's but Klesher was I have pretty a feeling fun. it won't. But Klesher is pretty fun. I mean, it's a, it is a pretty fun thing to do. I, if I hadn't done it, I would have felt like I was missing something, right? Well, and, and it will be better. Like there's, there's supposed to be more content in there. It's yeah. actually supposed to be a place where sometimes you may want to go there because you're building rep with a certain faction. I also could see the gameplay fun of saying, hey, you know, I'm a bounty hunter or I'm a, a, a guy who works on cargo ships. And yeah, big injuries do happen and I want a cybernetic limb. And, you know, it's kind of like bragging, you know, bragging rights. I've been doing this for 20 years. I've got, you know, fake arms and fake legs, you know. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, you know, scars and everything else. But you are a little more fragile as you as you go further into your character's life. So uh, you can also look a little more fearsome if you're a soldier or a bounty hunter. So, yeah. 
It'll be interesting to see how it manifests. I would imagine this this initial release is really going to be, Basic, I think, yeah. a change to where we spawn and probably a little <laughs> bit of gameplay that we get in the field that we didn't yeah. have before. I, I would tend to agree as initial cut. It would be very cool to see something as ambitious as Clesher, though. You know, that level of sophistication. Yeah. That would be very cool, though, because they did it with Clesher. Well, and the the thing we don't know is if if you are in the medical profession, can you do missions? Will they eventually? I, I don't think this will be in this release anyway. But will there eventually be the opportunity to essentially do missions where you're healing people as someone working at the hospital? Oh, that would be um, interesting. Yeah, because it is such a fleshed out thing it's not just a you know a tiny little piece of the game that they're in every it's like a requirement for a landing zone yeah so well with a true true medical play uh, you know true medical play, yeah you could be performing surgeries just like we are figuring out how to you know break a rock up we could be like your cigarette set putting prosthetics together and uh you know getting uh them on your body and that may be using lasers or whatever the cases are or solving cracking code with these you know some whatever the play is that that yeah. you know it potentially could be very cool the whole medical that that's why i say medical game loop you know yeah you may spend yeah. all your time in a hospital as a as a as a medic yeah yeah it'll be interesting to see um yeah, I thought this episode was good too. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, um, it's definitely thought provoking for sure, right? Yeah, um, and you know, some content at least. Um, the next episode, we I'll, can't I'll say as much about. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, like, well, there was a lot of content, but not necessarily an hour's worth of wanting to take. Um, well, when I saw 20 squares, the Hollywood squares up on the <laughs> screen, and, and, you know, I waited, like, until four of them introduced themselves, and then I turned it off. Oh, wow, you were you were good. I When I heard Jared say, most of this is really just going to be an introduction to the team at Turbulent, when we had already had an episode like that, I uh, I was like, never mind. Um, so that's when I bowed out. <laughs> um, anyway, for those who may not have seen the episode, Star Citizen Live was a round table with the eight team, t- eight of the team members from Turbulent, where we got to meet um, them and learn more about their backgrounds and what brought them to Turbulent. Um, they did near the end talk about current projects that they're working on, and those included hospitals. Uh, derelict locations uh, and unannounced content, um, mm. which I love hearing unannounced content. But then also uh, when they talked about derelict locations, they talked about having mission, having them tied into missions, loot uh, and exploration, as well as some puzzle gameplay. And the, the whole goal is to perhaps have interesting, engaging, unique loot for you to find that might make it worth the grind. Um so that was really it. Uh, we we sort of know how Chekhov and I feel, um, but what did you think, Seagard? Boy, do I feel uh, silly because I I actually I appreciated 
the I appreciated the the thought you know of introducing who they are because they do a lot behind the scenes, and uh, there's only a few of them. So I actually made I, I watched it in two chunks, but uh, it was good to see who they were, kind of you know what their backgrounds are and and kind of what they're involved in. Um, yeah, it was it was not the typical you know detailed content with the weekend, but it it is what it is, and it was good to actually get them uh, visualized and get them a little recognition for the hard work. You're so nice, Seaguard. Yeah. You're so much nicer than Chekhov. I know. <laughs> oh, the, 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 don't get me wrong. I, 100% from a recognition standpoint, well-deserved. It just We're talking about content and fun and something thought-provoking and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and for all of you who don't know, this is traditionally the dead time. And and the reason being, there's two dead periods for for content for us. Uh, one is the new year where they take, it's almost a month off, um, as well as even, I mean, there's content droughts every quarter, but they're not as bad as, as the beginning of the year. Uh, and then right now, which is the, the lead up to Citizen Con, which, you know, they want to hold everything close to the, to the vest and, and uh, we don't get to see as much um, exciting stuff. So, oh, did did someone's phone go to heaven? No, that's my. <laughs> that, that, that means that somebody just passed my outside camera. Uh-huh. That's great. Unnerving. Do 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 do. <laughs> I can hear that in a horror movie. <laughs> that, that's why. That's why I chose that tune. <laughs> Instead of like dun dun dun. Um, this week's episodes will actually uh, with ISC. We'll have another human piece with an origin story. Um, which I mean, it'll, it'll be fine. It just won't be as much. Um, but luckily, they balance out that that riveting content with a sprint report this week. So we will get some cool stuff. Hopefully it's not the hundredth look at a homestead and the thousandth look at fire. Um, but you never know. And then we also, um, will have an SCL. It's a game dev checkoff. Um, mm-hmm. so I know you hate them, but it is with Jeremiah Lee. And this one might actually be interesting because he's going to concept out the look of a new pyro gang. So I think that might be cool because it will end up in game. Um, and then also this week we will be getting a, a roadmap roundup. So hopefully, hopefully there'll be some interesting, juicy tidbits there. Nice. Boop, boop. Um, so Seaguard, curious, did you think about what ships you want to compare this week? I did, and I'm bringing them up on the menu right of now. Of course you did. So we got to like put- a star pupil. We got input from Bloody Badger, and he recommended that we discuss um, expedition ships, not exploration, expedition. Mm. So there's basically four of these, and I'm bringing up their specs right now. Oh, this is like the conversation we had last week. It's exactly where it's from. So, oh. um, so the idea is that an, an expedition, 
exploration is, is searching to find new things, right? Or old things, right? You're trying to find something that hasn't been found or seen for a long time. Um, it's not science. And an expedition implies that you go for a long duration. Mm-hmm. So what we're, we're thinking is, is that of the ships that are out there, and there's really four that are expedition ships, um, probably the Carrick is the best. I mean, it's just the biggest and the most, you know. Of course it is. It's, <laughs> it's the biggest of the ships. But there are three other ships that fill the category of expedition ships. Um, and those are the 600i. Mm. Okay, I just want to make sure I got a full. So it's the 600i, the uh, uh, the Carrick, the Freelancer Dur, and the Constellation Aquila. So we actually had, a, you know, and you were part of this, but we had this kind of discussion about the value of each of them. So, um, so what we kind of talked about is that the Carrick is is undoubtedly the best of the bunch, but it's also the most expensive. And the largest by far in terms of investment to supply it and refuel it and everything else. Does the Dur, the smallest of the bunch, still have a purpose? And and I personally think that the Dur and the Aquila, the Carrick and the Explorer, or the uh, 600i, all have a different focus. Um, and and they are benef- there are benefits to using each of them. So obvious ones. If we look at the size of the ships, three of them are large ships and only one of them is a medium ship, the Dur. So anything that's got to go through a large, uh, any of them can go through a large jump point, but there will be constraint when it comes to smaller jump points. Yeah. Uh, Now, another factor is, is that on the Pisces, for example, on the Carrick, does have the ability to go potentially with a jump, a jump drive equipped to go down those wormholes or those jump mm. points, right? So that would be a small capability. Um, and if you're thinking expedition, the other thing we talked about was um, the factor of what are you trying to, what is your expedition for? If you're doing an expedition of a solar system like Stanton, probably the Carrick is the way to go. If you, especially if you're doing it for reasons of science, right? It's robust. It has medical play. It has everything. It has all the bells and whistles. But if you're a company, an industrial group that's trying to go look for just asteroids and things like that, um, mining areas, they wouldn't put a lot of comfort into their ships. It would be very matter-of-fact business at the cheapest cost to go do this and the, cheap of, the cheapest investment if you're going to lose it. In which case the Aquila and the Durer really start coming into their own. One's more capable because it has a snub fighter, it has more cargo capacity, it can carry a ground vehicle. Uh, the Durer cannot do those things, right? Uh, and then if you want to open it up to planets, exploring planets, um, anything with a ground vehicle really comes into its own. Uh, it can drop off a vehicle and then fly the main vehicle over someplace else and maybe even use the snub fighter to scan. So my bottom line is, is I think 
for expeditions, they all have a purpose and they all have an advantage. But the Carrick is the best. And I will stop there and get your input now. Mm. <laughs> well, why don't you go check off? Oh, no, it's all about you because I am not familiar with these ships. I don't oh, my large ships. No. Oh, so this is like when, when you guys are talking about combat ship comparisons. Uh, now, obviously, we have leap a leap of faith here in in terms of there we are sort of plugging in holes um, yes. where we don't necessarily know. Like, for instance... For instance, um, I would say the Durer, um, if if it also can, we don't we don't know if anything besides the Carrick can map jump points, but we have to assume that they can because, for instance, the Carrick doesn't fit in all the jump points. So how do you map other smaller jump points if not with another ship? So we don't know how that works, and we don't know if it's a specific type of equipment that you might have to put on your ship, or if all expedition exploration ships can do this. So this is the first sort of like, I'm just laying out my assumptions. Um, And then I think the question then becomes also flexibility um, versus sort of like, a Carrick I think is really great if you don't know what the purpose of the trip is in my mind, because you can stock up on whatever you need. It, it's got a big enough cargo hold to hold any type of supply as well as supplies to, you know, as well as whatever you bring back. Agreed. It has the two different types of vehicles. Um, and, and then it has and the 600 I is kind of close to that because it can yeah. bring a ground vehicle. It's got clearly better amenities. Oh, and, and that's, let me just dovetail in here. Oh, go right ahead. Another factor in our discussion was also the a major factor. In fact, Badger will kill me for not bringing it up until now. I can hear him now. <sighs> scares me. I'm kidding. <laughs> He's a good guy. Oh, so I know exactly the, what you're going to say, too. The amenities in the game. If you're talking extended stay for months, the primary point that Badger was bringing across is you would go stir crazy in a dirt. Right? There's four of you in there, maybe as little as two. But what are you doing? I mean, sleeping on your bunk or flying the ship or running the science scan. But when you're traveling for a week or a month, that can get pretty claustrophobic. Carrick is much more suitable to that, even though it's a very business-like environment. And the 600i is the more luxurious, certainly the most entertaining. And the Aquila is just a bigger version of the Dur. It's kind of a compromise. So, back to you. I apologize. No, I, I agree. Like... That is, it's so hard to tell. Uh, obviously, the enjoyment of the space is a huge component, and that's where 600i shines. That's where the Carrick shines. Um, Functionality-wise, um, they all have their own unique feature set. I think it. I think it's going to come down to a lot. A lot of the decision making will be. Not even what crew size you have, because if you really look at the ships, the crew size is very similar. You're looking at, is it five for the um, 600i or is it four? It's actually a minimum of uh, three. The lowest number, the 600i can have the minimum and the, and 
the 600i and the um, Dura can have the same. It's two. And then the Aquila okay. gets three and the Carrick gets four. What's yeah. even more interesting, though, is that of those ships, the extra slots, the 600i can carry five. So it can carry three scientists, let's say. Yeah. And the Carrick could carry only two extra people being scientists or explorers. And well, to me, I would consider that exclusively serving in that role versus yeah, having exactly, multiple exactly. roles. No. That's a good differentiation. The Dur can carry two, and the uh, Aquila can carry four. So the Aquila carries one only. The others are kind of tied. Yeah. Actually, actually... The 600 is best for crew. It has one extra that the others don't have. But considering, so for instance, considering now despite despite how many seats the ship has, because, you know, we already, we, we talked about this in our conversation mm-hmm. the other day, the intent versus the number of seats, you're not going to be sitting in a gunner station in, a, in an nope. exploration ship the entire time. Nope. You're, you're going to do that when the klaxons go off and you need to go. Yeah running um but you know what's interesting is the crew requirements are not that steep on any of them and i think where the carrick shines in this regard is that it has so much functionality and not needing as many crew like you could you could get away with four people on a Carrick. You're going to be under gun. You're going to be under gunning if you get attacked. But if you're going into relatively safe space, it's probably going to be okay anyway, you know? Um, or if you think you're not going to be found. Um, plus, you know, once they, they bring in physicalization of, of um, armor, the armor on the Carrick is going to be pretty impressive i think and the shields are pretty impressive so you're talking about something that's built pretty well to run um anyhow but i think that's where it shines i think like you say you know you don't want to keep that local to your system that's the ship you take out that you're going to go across multiple systems you're probably going to use many jump points on your journey a dur you might be looking for wrecks same system or you might be looking for um new jump points if you can scan those down right you might be looking for a new new mine a new new cave on a planet exactly that type of stuff and the aquila is another one that could go to a dangerous area it's not as capable as the care as the carrot but it's the other one that does have quite a bit of defensive power yeah it has a snub fighter uh yeah which is now truly a deterrent. Yeah. Like yeah. with the combat changes that they've made, it it is a, a tough ship and you know, it is, I think it's a great um, option. And so I think, I think it's really going to be interesting. It's funny because I don't see myself owning some of those ships. Like I really don't right. like the Dur. Right. I don't really like the freelancer series in general. Um, there, like, there's something cool about them, but I just don't like them as as my gameplay. Um, so how would how would you feel if, like, so I'm assuming you under your character you have a lifetime. Uh, I do, yeah, subscriber. So 
So if you're a person who doesn't have a lifetime insurance plan, mm -hmm. your turnaround on that ship, you know, it might be your only ship. It could be one of three, you know, in your fleet. I don't know, or one of 60. But yeah. it's an expensive ship to either replace and there actually may be a longer time to restore. Mm -hmm. Right? You may be down for three days without being able to get to that ship. Whereas something like a yeah. tour, you might be able to turn around in an hour. Yeah. <clears throat> right? Um, I would say 600i is going to be expensive and relatively hard to get because it's, you know, it's a classy, flashy. Luxury. Yeah. Luxury. Um, so replacement value, it, it really is interesting. I think if you have the money, the Carrick is the way to go. If you're industrial and you're going into harm's way, you're probably either going to want to go big for the Carrick or you're going to want to go with a more cost-effective version, which is probably the Aquila. Less effective, but more cost-effective. Um, and then the Durer, I think, will be kind of like an entry level. Yeah. Small crew, you know, you... Yeah, I think... Uh... Sorry, go ahead. Well, I, you know, oh, yeah, this is why I always said that they're so smart. They're like a, you know, an ingenious drug dealer. They created these ships. Is that you always say, okay, I found the one that does it all, and they say, no, not really. No, I definitely found the one. No, it's not the one. And you bring up a great point. And this is why, you know, I don't even want to start buying ships. Because this is just like a, uh, you know, black hole that I don't want to go into. Because you, it will never stop. Because he give you another one, uh, and I'm with you when it comes to freelancer. I wouldn't want it, but I see. See, I don't just don't like the freelancer line. But uh, I see Sigurd's point, you know. But what, what if you're in a situation where it'll take you a ton of money or time or both to recover the ship? And uh, here's another example of why I would may not want a Carrick. What if you end up uh, uh, piloting single-handedly? And I, and I understand when it's an expedition, it's unlikely, but what if it does happen uh, and you are, are attacked? At least in the Aquila, you can defend yourself. 600i, you can defend yourself because you actually have guns at your disposals, where in Carrick, you don't. You're yeah. sitting duck. And the door I mean, is functional with two. Yeah. I would say in that instance, I am just as likely to die in any of those ships because I'm not a very effective fighter right. pilot in those those bigger ships. Right. Um, but I also would say just because I don't like the Dur as a ship of mine, that means that I won't get it because I got to crew other people's ships sometimes too. I can't just... Yes be like hey so if it's a smaller trip and it's a shorter duration thing and we need a smaller ship um outside of like a single seater like it like a um uh like a terrapin um i'm more than happy to be a crew member on someone's dirt or someone's mm -hmm. um aquila or someone's you know i don't own those ships because i know that if i'm going to be choosing to go on an expedition i'm going to go on the long ones in the bigger ships that's that's my that's what yeah. i like and i, I think or for I those think purposes <laughs> going with uh sorry for stepping on you the um oh, no, 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 no. so if you um if you think 
you know, factor in the other piece that, that Badger brought up about the, you know, the, the comfort of being on a longer mission and staying sane. I really, I would say that 600 I might edge it, edge out the carrot for that regard, but you don't have a, you don't have any way to, to fix anything or repair anything. You don't yeah. have anything to work on like the drones or the ground vehicles. It's, you know, it's a, it's a relatively self-contained, reliable, um, like executive, you know, Microsoft, you know, vice president or president, you know, ship to, to go out in. It's not a yeah. serious down to the bones ship. And then the Carrick, you certainly, as, you know, as Badger said, you could certainly use, you know, a form of crafting. Could I make my hand weapons better? Could I go in and, you know repair things that I've broken along the way. You have a repair center at the top. Yeah. Right? And the, and the other thing is the 600i does not come with a medical bay. Yeah. So I mean that goes a long way and they they did huge. say they did say that you could respawn with it once once they change medical gameplay that a carrick would be respawnable in. Um now granted that could change so you know, grain of salt, but still that is a huge thing on an expedition that's across multiple systems because, you know, if you do happen to perish, you don't have to go all the way back to the hospital that you have your insurance claim at. Right. Right. Which so uh, something that was interesting. We also talked about, uh, you know, thinking in terms of aliens Right, you want to sanitize yourself before coming in from, let's say, a hostile environment. The you would think that the Carrick has the best solution because it has that sealed in medical bay, but the reality is you got to walk through the ship to get to it. Mm. Right, so it's not really practically set up for that. The Durer, on the other hand, does have a a encapsulated um, access hatch, and so does the. 600i that could potentially be used that way without a redesign right they just have to add that they would add that feature to the current mm. uh, elevator systems um but none of them really are equipped for that sanitation as a, out of the box as we know right now yeah yeah as far as we know uh, who knows i mean that uh, you know uh it seems like something that they would have thought of but then it doesn't seem like yeah on their sort of uh I don't, yeah i don't know if we've uh, I, I don't know if we've figured anything out i mean i i think certainly you're into the carrick business cuz you're the leader of the ex or the uh science and research you know group i would tend to lean more towards the freelancer Dura or the aquila for me as the logistics mm. guy um you know, going out and finding an asteroid field or finding the conditions at a uh, landing site, you know, is there a better landing zone nearby, you know, I don't know, roads for the trucks to move across, whatever it takes. Um, and then the 600i, I think, is kind of a luxury version that's expensive for what it delivers. Uh, but I think, I don't know, I think we probably flogged this horse to death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't check to see how fast they are. You know that? That's yeah, something. That I would mean, be interesting. I think uh, it's they're not listed all for relatively. 
think they're yeah. all relatively fast. The Aquilas, how quickly it, they can turn. Yeah. They, well, that's true. The Carrick, the Carrick has a thousand seventy-six meters per second as SCM speed. It is fast. Yeah. That's its. I SCM. think the most. That's its. I f- that's not its afterburner like the maneuverable. Speed. Yeah. It has to be wrong. No, it's pretty fast. I don't know. It takes a while to get up to that, though. And supply-wise, um, supply-wise, the Aquila has the next largest. So it goes supplies-wise, the Carrick, the Aquila, Carrick at 456. You know, for spare parts, extra uniforms, medical supplies, all that junk, plus anything you want to bring back. Um, yeah. The Aquila has 96, and that's assuming you don't take the uh, the uh, ground vehicle with you because then it eats yeah. into that. Uh, that's the, the that's the downside of those ships, I would say, is that for the most part, both the Aquila and to some degree the um, the 600i, you're making the trade-off. Do you bring the vehicle or do you keep the cargo space? Well, the, the cargo space on the 600i is 40 with, with the vehicle, right? You never even touch the vehicle because it's all bit embedded in those walls. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I so forgot about that. That it it may have actually go on the vehicle platform. It may actually have an edge there for endurance-wise. Anyway, okay. Yeah. Good stuff. I like. Obviously, I like this topic. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I, I can contribute to it. <laughs> I could talk about it forever. Well, and of course, you know, a lot, a lot to be uncovered still. So, um, but it's still fun to theory craft a little bit. Yeah, it's one of my all-time favorite things to do. Um, cool. Uh, so that brings us to a particular time in the night. Doth thou know what time it is? Science. I'm sorry, I'm staying a little quiet because it seems like I'm the only multitasker on the team right now. I'm, I'm, Are you kidding I'm, me? I've been playing solitaire this whole time. Oh, okay. No, I'm, I'm, I'm cracking this Bexalite rock. But I, as I, you can tell, I'm talking the whole time. That's I, true. I, had, I had to spit out my gum and sit down. <laughs> yeah, well, that, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's tough. Um, but it's fun. It's fun doing this. I think we have some science. We do. Uh, yeah, you well, mentioned it. I I have a. I guess this would qualify as a science re- retraction, because I did something for science, right? And I think I mentioned it last episode where we tested out where you can protect your refined cargo by uh, setting a. Um, you know, quantum point and turning around and requesting a landing again, right? So I thought the same thing would work for your modules for the prospector, uh, where you can, you know, you know, we have a 30k and you lose your modules that are equipped. So I, that was my theory. Well, today, literally about 10 minutes ago, I proved my theory wrong. 
because I had a 30k and I did that and I still lost the modules. So don't. So there goes that theory. Uh, I guess that kind of qualifies as a science experiment. Uh, we did do a couple of things for science. They're really minor things, and they were all, um, I guess, a little centered around the HUD itself. And I think uh, Sigurd uncovered some things, and we uncovered some things. So uh, one thing I could tell you that uh, we tried uh, uh, scanning uh, a ship to ship about 7,000 away worked very well but uh, we also tried hiding behind the mountain which supposedly we were told that you could hide behind large objects uh but that did not work at all so even though yeah, that's not that's not in game yet okay yeah so then it's not a game. yeah but uh, but otherwise i mean scanning really works well you know uh distance away and and it is a i it, it's not we thought it would be like a partial scan so you know if you are too far away you're only going to get uh some information but it seems like you're either getting a scan or you're not getting a scan if you are you're getting everything about the ship um at least that's so far what what it's proven to be i i don't think uh, i have to say it's an in, inconclusive yet i would say we still have to experiment with it because i think you could scan much further than seven thousand um <laughs> I, I can vouch for some of that right yeah <laughs> so uh that was that then so another another thing that we looked at we were um uh, the questions came up about the HUD, right? What, what are these extras on the bottom left and right corner of the HUD? So on the left corner of the HUD is the little circle with a real with a with a red dot in it, right? Uh, yeah. so, so it's a it's a red dot. Well, actually, it's it's a white square, right? But then in the middle, in the middle, right? Yeah. Once you start moving, a white square starts moving away from the red dot. And uh, it's actually, I guess, it represents direction you're moving in. Uh, and uh, also, when you decouple, uh, it, it actually, you could tell that it also represents the speed that you're moving with. Because that uh, square starts moving quite faster away from the red dot as it approaches the outer boundaries of that circle. And then when you've decoupled and full speed, the white square actually touches the boundary. Now, what we haven't figured out is that the the, the boundary of the circle turns red, but then the, the red portion gets smaller or wider. Um, not sure why. Almost seems like the faster you go, the narrower the red portion is. Uh, so I don't know if there's that, much significance to science, but... And that is your direction of travel is what it's indicating versus the direction you were pointed. So if you are yeah. if you are pointed ahead and you are using only your thrusters to move to the right, the red would appear on the right side of the circle right. and the square would move towards the edge of the yeah. right side of the circle. So, so actually it's a great point that Sigurd brings up because uh, I always personally have a hard time when you when you have no reference point, when we're totally out in space, especially when you're thrustering, that you're decoupling, coupling, it's hard to tell exactly 
where, where you are heading. So I think that tool actually now helps you actually see exactly where your ship is, in which direction it's starting to drift or, or you know, if you decouple, let's say, if your thrusters are engaged, where you're actually heading. That's absolutely correct. Yeah, and we, we actually thought it may be a form of, like, useful for, like, trying to drop down into a cave, right? You're trying to drop straight down, but you're getting little bumps of wind pushing against you, which would shift you one direction or the other. You need to counter it. So it would be great for helping with hover um, and things like that, and and dis- uh, uncoupled mode, right, specifically. Yeah. Now, the indicator mm-hmm. on the right is strictly G-forces, because if your thrusters are not engaged, uh, if you look at it, I mean, if you guys are in the verse now, nothing happens. It, it only affects it when your thrusters are engaged. And then it shows you not only the amount of G-force, but I guess where... Uh, the axes it's on. Yeah, it's uh, right, right. If, so if right. you're accelerating, the G-force is behind you. It's a red line behind you, right? Uh, no, yes. If, is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, And then if you're going... But if you're backing up, going back, right, the red line is in front of you. Now, again, I don't know, besides the coolness factor, what would be the purpose of that, you know, little axis? I mean, I could see the number of Gs, but I don't know. If you could put them on a screen, like if you could put each of them on a screen, I think they could be a great help in, like, limited visibility. Right. You could you could definitely Potential. tell, you know, you're hovering, you're trying to hover um, and you're getting blown around all over the place. It, it's going to tell you what's going on, but it's really small. Yeah, I, I I'm glad now I know that because I didn't know what those were. <laughs> yeah, and check off. You guys also did the hub display for mining, right? In scanning. Uh, yeah, but you, you know, I'm still trying to figure it out. So yes, you can control your, uh, um, angle of the scan, right? So when you, what was, well, here's what I found useful out of it. So when I, for example, when I find the rock, right? So first of all, when you, when you find the rock, you're mining, you wait for the, the little squares to turn white and drop, right? And when they drop, mm-hmm. You're looking to see where they're dropping because the minute they finish dropping, they'll turn into scannable rocks. Now I could scan them, but you know when there's a cluster, right? So there's let's say there are five of them together. What I found helpful is it's hard to scan them because you can't point in them. So that's where I would narrow the circle and zoom in on each rock to be able to scan it. So that that that's the uh, utility that I found right now. Now, I'm sure there are other uses of that, you know, uh, circle or or angle of the skin, I call it. It's not the straight, it's the angle. Yeah, it's like a concentration of the scan, but, you know, because you were trying to do 360, and it's at the widest point, it's, at, it's the weakest in any one direction, but it covers a wider area. But when you focus it in, all that energy that was previously spread out, now right. it's that now, smaller target. Yeah, and more data back. Correct. And there's a signal strength also, right? So mm-hmm. the signal strength is a white bar that's on the left. So you, you will scan 
uh, all the way, as long as you have some signal strain, you'll be able to scan. Now, when you obviously that bar goes down to zero, uh, which I haven't tried yet, but my guess is, is that you will not be able to scan. So that I guess yeah, that's I an indicator, that's right? That's an indicator of whether or not you could scan an object. That's you know, the, you know, we didn't how much you can scan of it. Yeah, we didn't consider the weather. So maybe the maybe the strength that goes down as the weather gets worse, or maybe even the material in the area is like less reflective to this to the because you have to send a signal out and get a signal back, right? Well, if it's yes. absorbing all your energy, you're going to get you're going to have less result. You're going to have a smaller result. So your power in effect is going to be absorbed. Feeling, I have a feeling if that is going to be a thing, it's not yet. Okay. Yeah, I don't think it's there yet, right? Uh, I think it's definitely worth playing around. It will likely be a yeah. thing, though. You can't, you can't really, you can't. In the past, you could, you know, spool up your energy in advance and then release it like stored energy. You could spool it up halfway or a quarter of the way yeah, or all the no. way. You can't do that now. It's either all or nothing. I think when it goes out, all Correct. you have available. Correct, and then now two really annoying things, and I hope they fix them. Uh, well, one I think they'll fix. Right now, when you scan the rock, you cannot, you no longer see the percentage unless you get up real close and take out your mining laser. So let's say I scan a quantanium rock. I really don't know whether it's a two percent quantanium rock at that point or or a forty percent unless I get real close and take out the mining laser. Uh, so that's a kind of annoying. Uh, I think that part they fix, they will fix. The second part is once you break up the rock, you actually have to, you know, when they break them up into purple rocks to be able to scoop them up. Well, now you don't know which one is which uh, because it, it, they're no longer in memory. You have to rescan them again, and, and the rescanning process is very slow. So my, my suspicion is two things are going to happen. It's a, either it's a bug and they'll fix it, or it's purposely done so, and we'll have some sort of a module that we, we could purchase and equip the prospector with to be able to rescan faster. The other thing is, you know, thinking about it, you, unless you have your mining laser right, you can't get the details. Well, that means ships like the sand and the cutlass red that we've been using to find the ore for us won't be as effective. That's a great point. I was, I was getting the details without the mining laser. Percent? It just had to be pretty, yeah. No, no, you, you're probably mistaken because, look, I'm next to a rock, and here's what, I'm, what it reads. It's not, a, it's not a true percentage. It reads titanium, 6,114.80%. So first, I thought eighty was the percent. It's not. It's a mistake. But are you in scan mode? I'm. I'm in scan mode. Yeah. You hit V, and and it now has the scan overlay instead of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It already scanned it. It can't scan anymore. Now, what I no, take you pinged, out... you pinged it right, but you did you do the right. yeah, but when I yeah, it uh, it just it's a it's a different interface. Because I was using it, I was using it, at least this was in the PTU a while back now, so 
things could have changed or something could have break, broke. But when I was using it, you could scan it out and it had those weird, weird amounts that were incorrect at like somewhere between five and 7,000 out. And then once you got in closer, like around four or 3,000 out, you could do the scan and it will tell you. I am as right long as now, you had accurate rock. I am right now sitting 50 meters away from it and it's not scanning it. I have to take That's the so mining weird. laser out and now I'm getting my percentage. Yeah. No, that oh, it is. so weird. I was getting it. Um, yeah. I was getting it at a distance because, but I was just, I was also sitting there surprised because so many rocks were such low percentages and I was like, ugh. So I, I don't know. This may be a part of the new game. Like I said, I mean, everything is different now. The uh, mm. bounties are different. You know, everything has become, it, it's becoming kind of, the whole game's becoming nerfed. But but I, I wouldn't say that. I think it's becoming more realistic. Uh, and again, isn't this what they're really striving for? Is a true space sim. So, yeah. you know, it, it be almost, I have to say, prior to this patch, it was more gamish. And right now, yeah, this is kind of the way it should be, right? Yeah. I'm back to wanting to get on every day and... Yeah, exactly. I think so, it's real fun. Yep, you know. Yeah, I was I was kind of getting bored. It, you know what it is? It, it became a, a game... You know, the reason why I stopped playing for the longest time, because I didn't want to play games anymore. I was looking for a sim. And it slowly kind of became a game again. And I, and I started not logging on. And now with this patch, it, it's interesting again. You know, I, I want to find the right equipment. I want to find the right loadouts for the, uh, you know, for the fighters. You know, because before it was, oh, okay, great. You know, we killed another hammerhead. You know, what's next, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and and especially they have the the two dynamic events that they're starting to run um, instead of just the one. So you're getting potential fun sort well, of dynamic gameplay. Yeah, Nine Tails. I don't know. I uh, we we did Nine Tails twice, and mm-hmm. um, uh, it it took a very long time uh, from a. Uh, payout perspective, uh, it's. I, I think I spend more money on fuel. I have to say, uh, fun factor. Uh, it was okay. I mean, it was it was cool, but it took way too long. Way too long. Mm. So, mm. That's just my my take on Nine Tails. Interesting. Did you oh. try Nine Tails yet? I haven't yet, and. And I know Xenothreat's coming tomorrow, isn't it? Yeah, I think now we're we're done with Nine Tails. I think we're off the Xenothreat. Well, they're still going to do Nine Tails also. Yeah. Okay. Supposedly, yeah. So I guess we'll see. Um, any anything else for science? Wow. We. Yeah, I have a good one. We're like beating horses left I and have right. Two good ones. <laughs> so I have to share this one with, with Hamar. Because Hamer and I were actually out trying to prep something for future missions. Um, mm-hmm. And I was just giving him a hand. And we didn't have a tank, so he told me to bring my ballista. And he dropped me off on Daymar. 
and uh, you know, I think the idea is to come back and see how far away he could find me and what's a good mm-hmm. distance for for scanning and things like that. But kind of you know, being the goofy guy that I am, I got in the turret of the ballista and watched him fly away, and I realized I had him locked up at like fourteen kilometers right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I said, well, that's pretty impressive. And then it was 21 kilometers and he was still locked up. And then it got, and we were laughing. We're going, holy smokes. Imagine if it's 30. And it went right through 30. I kept him locked up all the way to 50 kilometers. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, and that's with, and that's, and I do mean missile lockup. That's the triple rings of, you know, the missile has that's stayed deep. locked on at 50 mile, right? Um, now he, I lost them at 50. And, but when he came back in, I re-grabbed him, and it was clear weather. Then a sandstorm came through, and I lost him at at uh, at 50 and couldn't pick him up again until I was down to about 21. So weather mm. was definitely impacting the ability of the system to lock him. Um, oh, wow. Now, I, I was really kind of figuring out what the missiles were and just, you know, the, it's listed as – Two by seven, size seven, Talon Hellion missiles, um, and then there's two by five, size five, size fives equipped. I guess is what it means. So I can have two size sevens and two, and I thought there were fives and fours. Yeah, it must be what it is. It's kind of weird. It says, yeah, I didn't think it was that many big missiles, but the size sevens, I think, I think it is four, and I think the other one is probably five. Wait, wait, so hold up. So size five missile, you're saying is a 50k range? That can't be. The radar, the radar was at 50k. The missiles, I have a size seven and a size five on the ship. None of them appeared to hit him even at 21 kilometers. But I wasted the the big missiles firing at 50 kilometers. No, no, but, but the, the reason why I ask is that. Uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to even get the circles unless you're in the range. Well, that's what I was thinking too, right? Yeah. So they're either really bad at tracking because he was stationary, yeah, or or because he wasn't firing any chaff or anything. He actually had stepped away to get a cup of coffee. Okay, so uh, and he uh, said, on. "Kill me!" Right? I couldn't kill him with any of the missiles. Uh, hey, hang on a second, uh, Sigar. I take it back. You have one, two, three, four missile that you could lock at fifty k. Uh, and they're size seven. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're, they're all torpedoes. Uh, yeah. And the, the size five locks at 35. Uh, so. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it was pretty impressive. I, you know, I was really shocked. And it makes me wonder what else is out there that's doing that. Is that what we're going to see on the reclaim or the retaliator? Well, yeah. Yeah. probably closer. Yeah. Yeah. It makes know. real, makes a real difference. Right. I mean, that was a real shock. I just wouldn't have expected that range. Maybe to see him at that distance, but not to lock him. I could see him past that. So I had, you know, you get the white square around the the ship, but you don't get the bands. I could see him out to 50. I think he was at 58, and I could still see him there. That's when I stopped. So kind of neat. And it was fun to drive around. It's a cool vehicle to drive on the ground. Yeah, I like that pretty well. We don't do enough of that. I mean, being able to lock somebody 50K away, you know, that's yeah. good stuff. And there's really, what are you going to do? I don't think you could do much against a torpedo that's coming at you. 
Yeah. Yeah, if it hits you, I think it's pretty devastating at side seven. The question is how well will it be able to hit you? And maybe there's something I don't know about the system. Maybe I have to zoom in to get better tracking like you do on the mining lasers, right? Things like that. I, I'll have to play with it more. But if you have a, if you have one out there, it's probably worth your time to take it out and to go play with it and experiment with it. It was a nice little surprise. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's cool. The last well, thing- especially you don't think about it from the – we've been thinking about it mostly from the changes for ships, but – yeah, I mean, they, they impact all missiles and, and torpedoes. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing was, uh, it was kind of something I stumbled across. I've been doing, like I said earlier, I was doing a little bit of logistics hauling. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're trying to figure out better routes and kind of how we're going to plan for these different type of routes, what ships and everything. And I found a real limitation in the size of the ship. Um there are some spots, especially those that don't have landing pads, where the large ships just cannot land. Uh, the Caterpillar the other day, I had basically the back engines on the ground and the front landing gear on the ground, and everything else was six feet off the ground. And I, I got out, but I only got in with great difficulty. Um, you know, so the C2 was the same way. There's, you know, a rip of a, uh, the, one of the one of the sites I go to a lot, which is decent, has decent profit, is the is in a crater, and I could barely fit a C two into it, just barely. I mean, it was really tight. Um, so there was a practical size to cargoing to carrying certain or exploiting certain opportunities with cargo, um, yeah. and it's becoming more and more uh, evident. And and I and I'm not. You guys know me. I'm not necessarily out there trying to raise a lot of money. Um, I usually, I usually rely on some of our greater benefactors to give me money as I experiment with uniform designs or whatever I'm doing that's that week. Um, but I, I truly tried to make some money and was able to double my money almost. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Double it. I went from 191 to, to, um, 281. I went from 193,000 to 281,000 in four runs. So I did a run in a Taurus. I did a run, uh, which is my starting ship. And then I did a run in a Caterpillar, filled it. Then I did all carrying the same type of material called fluorine. Then I was able to, after that, I was able to fill a C2. And I had enough money left over to fill an M2, which I just flew out and sold both at the same time when I came back. So... That was four runs over two days, no more than two and a half hours, and I was able to make good money. Uh, and then I realized I didn't have anything bigger that could haul. I thought, do I have it? Maybe the carrot can carry, carry 4,000, but it, it doesn't. It carries less than the C2. So uh, yeah, to make more money with the C2, you'd have to go to a different material and find a new route that would be more profitable. Hmm. So. Alrighty. Well, um, that's some good stuff. I did not do anything for science this past week, so um, shame on me. But uh, this does bring us to Seaguard's question. And last week, he asked, as either a lawful or pirate scum player, how do you plan on utilizing the RSI Mantis? 
Consider both on the attack and the defense. Great question. It is a random ship. Um, and very specific. <laughs> yeah, Dolrog <laughs> says, I think the Mantis is a perfect support ship to apply pressure. With it, you're able to negotiate and apply your rules. Um, then Quadnum said, uh, never mind. My- oh, I guess he deleted his last post. Never mind my last post deleted. I confused the Mantis with the Nautilus. <laughs> um, the Mantis is either. A, I, I wish he. Ha, I wish he kept it so we could read that too. Um, the Mantis is either a pirate ship or a bounty hunter ship. I think it is less likely to use in a defensive manner. It's an offensive vehicle to capture an opponent, opponent and prevent them from running. That being said, my Jedi-themed role playing is to fight the UEE. Um, because they're actually the evil bad doers. And I'd use the Mantis to attack their transports and take their supplies, leaving them stranded when they, where they can properly contemplate their choices. Okay. okay. That's good. Um, I, I don't know how he's going to store their supplies unless he's got a, a compatriot um, since it has such little storage, but I guess that's up to him to figure out. Um, Boris Kraken says pirate scum is a bit harsh. Yeah, um, it was meant to be. It was meant to be. A poor spacer has to make a living. Hmm. <laughs> I believe the good view will be nice to explore or uh, in a group hunting bounties. Uh, Admiral Cody says primarily control our org's event zones, pull potential hostile players out of quantum before they get too close. It's not bad. Not bad. Uh, Mavros says, should we suffer any pirate encounter on one of our places is raided by pirates, I would use the RSI Mantis to avoid their freighters getting away from our staff or with our staff. Um, in an offensive role, I would use it to keep the big ones from quant- uh, quantum traveling out of our missiles. He's thinking that's and kind then, of the way I think about it. Very similar. <laughs> yeah. And then Nightshade um, Salute says, I would use the Mantis in conjunction with the Cutlass Blue to subdue the target and then bring him in for questioning. Um, The Cuddy has quantum dampening. Does it not? Uh, So it won't pull someone out of... Correct. It won't It'll, pull someone out of quantum, but it will disable them from quantuming away. Which, to me, is the most valuable thing on the Mantis. Same here, because, I mean, unless I you're trying to predict valuable. a trade route. Right. And I think, like, I envision it from a logistics perspective. If you could get it between a bunch of pursuers and, and some logistics ships, you mm-hmm. just have to buy them enough time. It's kind of like a bubble they have to cross. Um, before they can jump and chase after you, and your logistics ships have to just get up to speed and jump away, right? Um, mm. So we can. It's dangerous. Not going to lie to you, but it does put you between. If you can use it between you and the enemy, I think it's helpful. The other one is if you're going to do, let's say, ground combat, you can prevent anyone from jumping down to the ground, right? Or quantuming mm. in. They have to. 
they can't quantum from orbit. They have to fly down the hard way. It takes longer. Um, and you basically have more time to, to assault the facility. Um, it also prevents people from jumping away. They can fly to 10,000, yeah. but they've still got another, I, I'm assuming the range is still 20, is it 20 kilometers? Or is that the snare? I have no idea. I think it's, I think it's less than that. I think it's, that's the snare. I think it's 20 kilometers. You're forcing them to go to a higher level before they can jump to a, a point and escape. So, yeah, those are all good responses. I mean, I just I think it has its purpose. Again, it's a unique mm. ship. Um, I think it it's a it can be used very creatively. Uh, can I actually add something? This is uh, has to. I'm going back to the science segment because I uh, want to add something to the to the ping and the HUD. Because I just came to the space station, right? So I'm I'm at a space station, and uh, I open my uh, radar, uh, I guess, right? The the circles is the radar. Mm -hmm. So on the left, by default, uh, I have two bars now. One shorter white bar says 16%, and says signal strength, mm -hmm. and then a really big red bar, and it just says noise, right? So if mm -hmm. I try to scan in that mode, I get uh, you know, because of noise and a lot of turrets, I just get info on the turrets, right? But when mm -hmm. I make my circle smaller and make the now get rid of the noise and a signal straight to 100%, and I do a scan, now I get full info about the station itself because that's mm -hmm. where my circle is pointed now. So basically, uh, what we said before. It kind of is true. So you, uh, if the wider the circle, the more you're going to capture to scan, but it's not going to be mm -hmm. as accurate. You really need to narrow it and really point it at an object that you want to scan to to get a real accurate uh, info about that object. So like yeah, like Aquila with its turret that can be aimed and pointed. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, it seems at least. That's what it's doing. Yeah, it could. That, that's you know, going back to our ex, expedition ships. That's an interesting. I'm gonna go check that out now on the Aquila. I have to say, I'm disappointed that the pilot station is the only one that can use the scan mode still. Oh right, yeah. You can. It, the other stations can ping, but they don't get scan mode. So it seems like that's not quite operator seat worthy yet i think we'll get that soon though if we got missiles oh, yeah. that'll come. yeah they said that they said it would be a seat so and i mean there are dedicated scanning seats uh the question i always have is is like will there be more than just that I, I feel like this is just a visual change and a slight change to it and i think there's more stuff that they're going to include um you know check off for next week what you need to do is check out the hand mining yeah, I haven't done anything in the hand mining. Because or, I, or I'm mining. wondering how that's going to work for your your hand mining device, right? It worked. It's got to work differently now. Yeah, I would imagine. Uh, well, in, uh, in jail, it was the same. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh yeah. The, oh, the actual handheld device is the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just thinking because you, you know normally you have this, you have the ability to scan what's on it and vacuum, uh, basically vacuum things yeah. up. Because remember, you don't ping. You don't ping at all. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll have um, to play with it. 
along with the we rock have and quite stuff. a few questions to go through or at least a All few right. not quite a few um this week uh from our discord nightshade <clears throat> salute says with the fun we've been having working as a team on bounties and the nine tails events i believe i have a new favorite ship and that would be the carrick good for you nightshade it's been working really well as a gunship and a base ship. Only problem is now my 600i won't talk to me anymore. Uh, what what ships have surprised you in the verse lately? Seagard, what ships, you know, uh, I, and I would imagine with these changes, that's the biggest thing, but what ships are surprising yeah. you? So two ships surprised me a lot. Cartuol and the uh, Blade. The alien ships. Cartuol oh, wow. was like a Totally different beast. Its speed was useful. Its maneuverability was useful. And the guns hit hard. I didn't feel like I was... I felt I could be more aggressive than I probably should in, in that ship. And the blade is just stunning right now. I didn't get to fire off a missile yet from it. Because I still haven't mastered that switching between the two. But um, oh, really? the gun power is just... They just both ships just seem to fire at a much more rapid pace than they did before, All right? And they're and they have good sized guns. They're not they're not small guns. They're good sized guns. So, um, yeah, I felt that they were very 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 good maneuverability. I felt the speed, especially staying within the zone of their performance belt, I could boost to get speed and then drift back down to the maneuver speed and fire my weapons with no issue. I could stay behind things in the arena. Uh, and when I fired it, it only took me a couple shots to actually blow it out of the sky. So whether mm -hmm. it was a Hornet or a Reliant or another blade or whatever. So <clears throat> cool. I, I mean, that's great. What about, um, uh, what about you check off? Yes. Uh, by the way, it's, it's, speaking of missiles, uh, can a co-pilot control missiles now or still? Yes. Yes. They can. Okay. Yeah. It's green. Oh, oh that's, that's really cool. Yeah, because it is a little cumbersome to switch back and forth. So, oh, so you're trying to say that you can go ahead and use primary weapons while the co-pilot is firing missiles at the same time or not? Yeah. So, yes. So if you're, a, if you're a Connie, um, yeah. pilot can use the guns co-pilot can use the missiles if you're in a um if you're in a cutlass you can have pilot using the main guns you have a turret operator and then you have you can have the co-pilot um either they can manage your systems your shields and stuff um well they could do that too um or they can also um be lobbing missiles yeah that's huge that's it's great um yeah, so going back to which ship, uh, I gave up uh, last patch. I basically gave up on my Sentinel, and now I find it that I stopped using the Buck, and it's all about the Sentinel because uh, it's just, uh, uh, well, not only because of the turret, even single-handed, I'm still uh, having a much better luck with a Sentinel, at least against the NPCs. Well, because the Sentinel has large shields, right? Or or it's large. Yeah, yeah is it, it has, a large ship. It has large. It's a large. Yeah, it's a heavy fighter. Uh, so so it yes. doesn't have the bubble shield, right? It has. Um, 
right forward backward yes it has normal shields and it is uh as larger weapons and it's just a uh, uh I, the, the reason why i didn't like it because of its maneuverability but now you know it's not as relevant so cool i am surprised by and impressed by pretty much any ship that has turrets now because turret gameplay is really fun but i have to give props to as much as i do not like this ship and i think seagard you'll like to hear this um the connie i'm i'm surprised by the connie i will never say the aurora sorry um that doesn't surprise me the ln is such a capable ship though it's a good little ship it's you know i just I, I'm yeah. the person that wants to be, and actually, so the the Connie's one, and then also it was. I mean, I know it was a while ago now, but it was really fun um, play testing the Xenothreat mission in the PTU in a um, Star Runner. It was really fun. It really did feel like Star Wars. Yeah. Um. Now MK3 generic asks. Which ship do you think could fill in the gap? Uh, fill in the following gap. All right. So we have for an ambulance, we have the Cutlass Red. For short-term emergency aid, we have the Apollo. For humanitarian aid, we have the Misk Endeavor. But what is search and rescue? Uh, so we actually had this discussion the other day. So, in my opinion, you have you have three three. The best search and rescue is the Carrick. It's I like, was thinking it could be a good search and rescue. Yeah, yeah, it's a great. It's got good scanners and everything else. The other one, obviously, is the Cutlass Red. It's a good search and rescue, um, and it lets you get in close without jeopardizing the ship. And you know, it's got bumpers on the front for debris and things like that. So, I think. Um, that gives it some good possibilities. Um, obviously, the Apollo will come out, and the Apollo, I think, will be less capable at search and rescue than the uh, than the Cutlass. Hmm. I mean, I have no idea. Well, by pure definition of rescue, it has to have a med bed. So obviously it's the Carrick, it's the it's the red, and the I don't know what what else is a bed. It's anything with a bed, you know. Yeah, but you med- wouldn't want to search and rescue bed, with an endeavor. Uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, right. That would be at some even point, a Carrick. Like Carrick is I, big. I I see a Carrick for search and rescue being we lost connection with our org members in this section of space let's go find them and and retrieve them um but for the most part i see you know probably the cutty black or cutty red cutty red and um apollo being filling that role yeah you're right because you know you may have to go inside caves so it can't be too big you know so it has to be yeah um Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. That's it. Oh. Um, MK said himself, I believe Apollo to be 
a step above daily um, search and rescue operations due to size and amount of supplies it can carry. Um, so I guess we'll see. Um, and, and we also don't know if there's going to be specific types of scanners that are better suited for distress signals and things like that. And yeah. we don't know any of that stuff. So you know, part of our discussion got into the, you know, it was kind of, I won't say territorial, but it was like, who's going to run search and rescue, right? Is it going to be logistics and the support role, search and rescue being a support role, or is it going to be more of a all encompassing role or is it going to be part of science or engineering? Um, and I think well, there's also China. what if it, what if it's defense? Don't forget the rescue part. Yeah, you exactly. could be in trouble. And the search part, right? So the mm-hmm. Nick brought up a great point um, for you that you that don't know. Nick is the head of the engineering group, and he brought up a great point that search is very different than rescue. Right? Mm-hmm. If you if you are just trying to locate something like the Titanic that is seeking anything that's in the area immediately starts searching man overboard. Everybody looks freighters. They use the yeah. best thing they can. Cause you, you don't know where he is. He could be spread over, you know, a million miles and, you know, in, uh, in the game. But once you find him, the type of ship that goes there is, is very different. That is it's, a great point. Right. And uh, certainly getting their damaged and wrecked ships in space. I think that, Cutlass Red has an edge. It does have some bumpers on it. It has good lights and has a spotlight. Um, but on the ground, a ship with a ground vehicle would probably do a little bit better. Yeah. Um, if you had the Drake dr- dragonflies that could be loaded into the Cutlasses like they're supposed to, then you get, you know, the Cutlass Red becomes very viable for ground stuff. So it, it's, so yeah. But just it was an interesting point. The search and the rescue yeah. were different. Yeah, I, I mean that's a great point for sure. Um, and then some conversation spurned from this in in chat because um, Boris Kraken was like, "Aren't there not two Apollo ships and one's more armored and with guns?" Um, and we were talking about how the triage, which is the base. Um, is different from the medivac which has missiles um so the you know that one's might be a little bit of a hot zone ship compared to some of the others yeah and lore one is based off of a tv series in game or in lore tv series yeah that's right the the medivac one has the skin that looks like almost like as if they're in lore er and i think it gets the missiles also that's where it picks up that stuff from yeah. Well, what's also cool with both of them is they have like a, um, almost like a drone gurney or something like that. Um, I believe so, uh, should be good. And then, uh, next we have another email submission from Ivind. He has three questions for us this week. Um, so first question looting did you guys hear them actually talk about what kind of loot they did say that it'll be loot appropriate for the area but then i think i heard that in the beginning it'll only be weapons and armor what do you think secret if you can't sell it 
It could be anything, right? Yeah. It'd be nice to keep um, things, but it'd be very fast to fill up your your spaces. Like me, I have, <laughs> yeah, like I have, you know, because I was trying to figure out uniform combinations for the org. Um, I have so many uniforms right now, it's just a pain. It's not even, hmm. you know, I am the fashion diva, but it's a pain. I only <laughs> use, you know, one or two uniforms on a regular basis. And yeah. kits. And kits, I guess, would be all the, you know, chem lights, everything added on. Yeah. What about what about you, Chekhov? Uh yeah, I think it's only probably about weapons. I don't think it's gonna be anything else. I mean at least in the initial implementation I see it being weapons and armor, but I do see it potentially being unusual things or even things once the dynamic mission system is in, this is where I think it'll get more interesting where it won't just be weapons. It'll be, Ooh, this is a data pad and there's something really interesting on it. And we just raided this gang's um, hideout. And now this is giving us breadcrumbs to new missions that we wouldn't have access to without having this specific data pad. I can see that being a big thing. It could be something that a data pad that you bring to your favorite, your favorite friend's MSR to be cracked. Right. Yeah, and it might even, or it might just have like, um, have data. Yeah, jump point locate a secret jump point location. It could be anything. You know, the thing that I thought was cool that they talked about was how dynamic that system is going to be, where it's contextual. It's not just hey, um, we open up this crate and there's going to be these nice polished guns that look like something you'd carry if you were in the UEE. Mm-hmm. Unless they were stolen, <laughs> you know, so that I thought was cool. Uh, his second question is on the pyro side of the Stanton pyro jump point. Uh, what is there to stop pirates from just setting up a massive gate camp at the jump point? Did they talk about sentries at, at gates by the time by that time? We'll probably have space mines. I foresee just being met with a blob of thousands of space binds in my face and laughing pi- pirates when jumping in there. What do you think, Seagard? I think he's right. I think that's definitely a possibility. I think that um, right now we jump very accurately, right? There's no, there's no deviation based on how much time or how fast you're going or which direction you were drifting at your start point. Um, I think those things probably will come with the game, right? Jumping mm-hmm. should jumping accuracy should be a matter of skill, not just mechanics of the game, basically. But you're talking about jump points specifically. So when you jump, quantum? so when you go through a quantum, right? You're coming out the other end somewhere, or quantum, or a regular jump through a wormhole. You're coming out, but mm-hmm. you know if you you. Let's say you're really bad. You might be off 50 kilometers. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, that might put you outside the defensive ring. Right? You may want to come out wide for for a purpose. <laughs> They're yeah. all clustered around the ring. I want to get. I want to get away from the entrance. Right? So you kind of just shoot through them. Uh, I I hope they give you the ability to do that. Otherwise, someone a whole... could just camp there. Right? You could put a a mantis there and just stop you every time you come out 
Yeah. Well, this is yeah. a whole um, like discussion. I mean, this happens in the expanse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It happens. It happens in Eve. Yeah. In Eve, I was just gonna say. I think they dealt with it with e- in Eve. They they somehow had a big issue with that, and they did something. Yeah. It was. Uh, yeah. There's. You can put like a a bubble, literally a bubble that forces you to drive through it like molasses pace. And they can just concentrate fire on you, you know. And, uh, so you'd get destroyed at these entrance points when you're trying to go to more dangerous areas. On the way back, you could also be camped. And if you're not ready to fight your way out, you're you're in trouble. You're going to lose everything on your ship. So it's very frequently to be destroyed by you know three Idrises, equivalent of three Idrises, or three more like three of the carriers. Uh, parked mm-hmm. at the entrance way where you come through in your little uh, aurora, you know, <laughs> you just get destroyed. It's, it's well, that's very, why very fun. Yeah, auroras are not going to go through jump points. That's why it's going to be, I think, uh, much larger ships with escorts. I, I have a feeling that small ships are going to have a much smaller signature. I guess we'll have to see. I don't foresee there being turrets unless they're pirate controlled just because it's not UEE space. Yeah. It's going to be interesting how they tackle it. It'll be dangerous for sure. Um, And then last but certainly not least, and this one's a short one, he said, um, how and where will you guys be enjoying CitizenCon this year since it will be streamed? I would be enjoying it right here in this chair, staring at my monitor. Um, and it'll probably be as I'm working, so I'll probably not be able to watch it until afterwards. Unless me and my compatriot. Compatriots decide to take the day off. Why is it? Is it a? It's a Saturday. That's oh, it's a Saturday this year. Okay, good. No, yeah, it's so, always a Saturday. So I can see, I can see this group right here. It's kind of like the Super Bowl day, but we're all making our own wings. <laughs> oh my goodness! I mean, I watched, I watched the live stream last time all day. I did too. Like a little geek. Then um, I watched it the next day. Big chunks of it, especially the uh, the quantum. Quantum. I, yeah. I, didn't hear you <laughs> I watched it all day and um yeah what about you check off yeah, we should, watching we should probably all get on discord live stream it and i think that's the thing to do no or, or zoom it do something i would hate to watch it alone yeah i'll, I'll watch yeah it. I'll uh, i will watch have it. to see because i might be home for a wedding um the wedding's on the sunday but it's kind of hard to break away from my family they're a little intense and i think they'll give me hmm. um i think sass. the only excuse you get for a wedding if it's your wedding and then i think you only get an hour break and then you're back at watching the show with us well so. i was literally <laughs> thinking about it as i was putting this question in here and i was saying to myself you know maybe Maybe I just won't go home until like the night after that same night. Uh, you know, I'll make up some excuse why I can't be in until later. 
<laughs> and just watch <laughs> the sink on and then go home. <laughs> so and otherwise we're uh, just going to keep calling you during the event. Do we know, do we know what time it actually will stream last year? It was early. It started like. What date is it? I, mean, I don't even look, see the date. It's the 9th of, of, of October of October. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So we've got a month and a half, not even. So it's coming. And I am sure um, what uh, what leaks Discord said, and this isn't really anything too leaky, just so you know, um, is their anticipation is going to be that we will see the fact that they have multiple systems. They're going to show off. They think they're going to show off multiple systems. Now, that might not be. They didn't say it was necessarily going to be a main stage part of it. But we'll get. We'll see or, the fact that they've made progress. Or Squadron 42 ships for Christmas. That would be something. I, yeah, I doubt that. Whole scene. I, I would imagine. I would imagine they'll want to take at least six months to do a marketing campaign or a year to do a marketing campaign. Yeah, you kind of have to if it's a box. Well, no, I, yeah. well, you could. I mean, this day and age with Steam. Just remember your mm. initial. Remember your your initial and in, well, your newest investor in the companies for CGI specifically came in with for money marketing. for the marketing. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it was not a little bit. It was a lot. It was like $47 million, wasn't it? <sighs> yeah. yeah. Oh, so they really want to... I don't remember. When Cyberpunk was marketed, did they really... Um, but that guy hadn't done anything. Into... He hadn't done anything. Yeah. Like Chris... Chris is known in Hollywood because he was a director. You know. No, I get that. But this day yeah. and age, like all the hits that come out on Steam... They literally market it within the community and it just takes off. But yeah. I guess this thing is not going to go on Steam. Probably not. I would I would imagine. Who knows if you just buy it through their website or if they're going to package it? I don't think they'll. I don't think they're going to package it. Oh right, because uh, well, a lot of them are going to the subscribers, right? Because I'm sure a lot of people bought the package, right? Initially. Oh yeah. yeah, I don't mean. I mean, I mean, I don't think they're going to actually produce a, a physical copy up. that you could go to game store. Yeah, yeah, no, that ain't get. Right. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting. I, you know, I, I think, I still think we've got some time before Squadron's out. And what's so weird is they made it seem like it was going to be so close, and now I feel like it's. It's still a while off. I think Squadron's going to be. I do think it's very viable. It could be at the end of this year, and I do oh, think I, that they will use it to so. allow them to get the beta. I tested. think they might announce the release date this year potentially, but I don't think it's coming this year. I, I think it's coming in twenty twenty two. I think we're going to see. If remember, it's three separate box or three separate Squadron forty two, like um. Releases. Yeah, volumes. It's volumes, right? The first yeah. volume, you know, they have a lot of the missions already done. And we yeah. know there's a lot of ships that are done behind the scenes. We know that the voice yeah, acting you... 
has been done for a long time. Um, yeah, but it, you need only look at the roadmap to see that work is still being done on it through this year. Well, that's true. That's true. Uh, I the question think- is, is it going to extend further? I didn't actually look at the roadmap for like the newest quarters to see like what squadron deliverables. Because that's like, the no. one that's going to bring them some money, right? And they, people start buying yeah. that. That's going to bring them money, and that's going to bring people who want to go into the universe, and they're going to be able to expand the universe. You yeah, people wise, I think the I think the biggest holdup right now is meshing, right? but. I don't know. I, I don't follow it that much. Anyway, so was there another any other questions? No, that that was it for questions. Um, yeah. So if you do, oh, by the way, the the latest thing that I can see out, um, just for your edification, on the roadmap that has a squadron deliverable is Archon, um, or, or at least I quickly looked at it. It's it's a station. And that has a finished date of March of next year. Okay. Mm. So we're probably looking at like holiday season 2022 is when they'll release it is my guess. That's, I think that's a good estimate, but because they have a bug fixing and tech debt that impacts both that ends in Q2 of next year. Oh my God. And here's all the squadron ones. The latest I see them going, yeah, so they still have some of the chapters that aren't done until Q2 of next year. But then that looks like it's pretty much it for Squadron content. So I would imagine they'll probably spend the summer of next year bug testing and going through a beta or, you know, going into alpha of it and then going into beta and then. Maybe we can see. But anyway, all speculation. Sorry, I'm going to stop ranting. Yeah. <laughs> so are you ready for the Seaguard's question for the week? Yes. Tell us what your question is for this week. All right. So this one was actually contributed by Chekhov. So this is yeah. this is his, my there, words, his concept. There was a collaborative effort. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so this is in regards to 315, the medical gameplay loop. And it's there's two parts. One. What do you want from the medical gameplay loop coming in 315? And then part two is, what do you expect the reality is that you'll get from the medical gameplay loop coming in 315? Mm -hmm. That's great. Excellent. Excellent. Well, if you have answers to that question... There's already Your answers question. people answering. <laughs> I know, of course. It happens as soon as you post. So if you do have answers to that question, if you have any questions of your own, if you did something for science you want us to talk about on air, um, you can submit any of those pieces of content by emailing us at readcastsc at gmail.com. You could also DM our Twitter handle at readcastsc. You could send us a message through Anchor. Or um, join our Readcast Discord and interact with us there. Um, or you can text us and or leave a voicemail at 646-783-8154. Um, as always, a shameless plug. If you are looking for an org uh, to, 
to explore the verse uh, with, take a look at Reed. We uh, stand for research and engineering through exploration and discovery. And uh, our whole shtick is that we're respectful, law-abiding, um, casual, but not super casual uh, org in the sense that you usually find quite a few people playing at any given time. Yeah, um, speaking of uh, law-binding, you know that little glitch where I got 12 work orders from? Uh-huh. Uh, well, guess what? I forgot to take them out. Then they patched and they're all gone. <laughs> that's what you get check off because we're the guys who walk I, I, the no, I actually i did it on purpose because yeah. i am a part of reed and we all know by the so right. yeah i hope we hear from Good our you, favorite Ky- or favorite pirate who's wandering the united states <laughs> yeah, I hope he's probably. doing well and he's safe and i hope uh, our other viking i ivar ivar uh, uh, is doing great, and I and uh, the couple. Who's the, the couple? What's um? I haven't heard from them in a while. Uh, husband and wife. Hmm. I'll draw a blank on. I apologize, guys, but I, I hope you. I know who you're referencing. Yeah, um, I'm just drawing a blank. We haven't heard from them in a while, so I hope they're doing good. Yeah, you're referencing. Um, oh, I'm not in my Discord, so I can't. I can't say for sure, but. Um, I know he runs it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, awesome that. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say I'm looking up. Go ahead. I'm looking. I'm looking. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, so also we do have a few content creators outside of us here at uh, Readcast. We have um, Earth, who has amazing YouTube videos. He seems to be ramping them up a little bit more now that there's new content out there. Um, so you can check him out on YouTube, uh, as well as Admiral Cody and Calibri, who both contributed music to the show, as well as r- are writing their own Star Citizen and Reed-inspired uh, soundtrack. Uh, links for all of this, these pieces of content and more uh, will be found in the show notes. So take a look. Uh, highly recommend you, you check out some of that content. It's great stuff. Um, and uh, any luck, Seagard? It was well. I got it wrong. It was Nivar. I always thought Ivar, but that's from the Viking show. And mm-hmm. uh, Delta X eighty five was one we haven't heard for a while. Um, I'm scrolling back. It's been a while since we've talked to them. Uh, I don't know. We should get some of these people to come on the show one day. And uh, no, I don't know. I'm just I'm. Emma, that's Hobbit Dad. We have well, him too. We hear a lot from him too. I'm no, I'm not. I'm not seeing them. They must be really far up. <laughs> I apologize, <Probably>. guys. <laughs> I guess we haven't heard from you in a while for a reason. Seagard's having a moment. <laughs> ah, I'm old. I'm old and senile. Senior moments. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I have them too. Um, usually they're followed. They're from a a day of too much indulgence prior, but you know, not always. I, I'm <laughs> just starting to lose that neuroplasticity and starting to be a little bit more scatterbrained in general. Um, well, that wraps up another episode, folks. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. 
as always, we appreciate it and have a great week. You're great. This was a short one for a change. Two hours of short, Chekhov? <laughs> yeah. <this> is... <laughs> <laughs> now it is. <laughs>